David said in Psalm 138, verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name. I will worship. I will praise. If you take anything home with you this morning, I hope that this will be among the things you take with you. If you only take one thing with you this morning, I hope that it will be this. I will worship. I will praise. Didn't plan to do this, but I just want to make sure we're all on the same page here. Would you say that with me this morning? Those six words, they're on the screen in front of you. Say them with me. Ready? I will worship. I will praise. One more time. I will worship. I will praise. Every believer in Jesus Christ ought to decide, I will worship. I will praise. Every Christian life ought to be defined by, I will worship. I will praise. No matter how old you are, you ought to decide, I will worship. I will praise. Sometimes we think that children are too young to worship. Sometimes teenagers think, well, you know, that's for the grown-ups. I'll wait till I'm older. Then sometimes folks get older, and they say, I'll leave that to the younger people. So we all use our age as an excuse for why, while worship and praise, that's not really what I'm supposed to do, but every believer of all ages should say, I will worship, I will praise. No matter what your current circumstances, you ought to determine, I will worship, I will praise. Hey, worship and praise that only happens on the good days is not really that authentic. Let me say that again. Worship and praise that only happens on the good days is not very authentic. No matter how you're feeling, you should determine, I will worship. I will praise. We have this crazy idea that we only worship because we feel like it. And again, I say, genuine worship and praise to the Lord happens when you make yourself worship him, when you don't feel like it, because you know he still deserves it. You know he's not going to fail you. I will worship. I will praise no matter what's going on in the world. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, your position should be, I will worship. I will praise. Now, What's the difference between worship and praise? I don't think it's a big deal to be constantly aware as if they're two different activities. But I do think that there are ingredients of worship and ingredients of praise that we ought to be careful to include in our connections with the Lord. Okay? There are numerous things could be pointed out. For example... The, the, uh, some have said, and, and I, I see this and I agree with this, that worship is largely what we do 
before the Lord in private, whereas praise is more proclaiming his glory in front of people who don't necessarily believe in him. I believe there's elements of that or, or there, there's an extent to which that's true. But I think maybe the best definition of the difference between the two is this. Worship is adoring God for who he is. Praise is adoring God for what he does. And both of those are important. Okay? I think it's important that husbands express their adoration to their wives and that wives express their adoration to their husbands. And I think it will make for a healthy relationship if you, in fact, I know it will, if you will express both of those things on purpose. And I don't mean with some kind of checklist. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, thank you for being so pretty. Thank you for uh, being punctual. Thank you for, uh, no. I'm talking about just bring stuff up for no reason. Just tell him how awesome he is. Tell her how awesome she is. Today's a very special day for my wife and me. It was on this day, January 8th, 1991. So we're talking 33 years ago, 32 years ago, right? Yeah, 32 years ago that I asked my wife, she wasn't my wife then, I asked her to be my girlfriend. We had been dating for five months. I asked her to be my girlfriend. And I remember that because I chose the date, a day that I would remember. I knew that this girl was different. And I knew that this relationship, I really had a strong inkling, and so did she, we found out later, that this was it. And so I chose a date that I knew I would remember. That's today, Elvis's birthday, January 8th. And so, now you may not know that day, but I know January 8th is the day he was born. August 16th, 1977 was the day he died. I was in third grade. I remember the day very clearly. You say, that's pathetic. It is. It is. You're right. But, so I asked her January 8th, 1991, to be my girlfriend. And she said, what do you mean by that? Well, it's right in the name, girl, that's you, friend, that's, that's us, okay? I don't even remember what I said, I just, I don't know, <laughs> whatever, I mean, we go together, we date, what are you? but ultimately, after she scrutinized me and analyzed me and interrogated me, she said, uh, she said yes. But I can, I can tell you from all these years, and I don't do this mechanically or systematically. I don't keep a journal or a database. I just pay attention to who she is and to the things that she does. And I let her know that I, that I notice them, that I'm grateful for them, and that I adore her for these things. Worship is adoring God for who he is. Praise is adoring God for what he does. Again, it's not so that when you are before the Lord that you can stop and say, now, which one am I doing right now? That's not the point. The point 
is that you don't, you make sure you don't neglect either one. Sometimes we, we, all we do is thank, I don't mean to minimize this, but all we do is thank God when we perceive that he's done something good. And that's great that we do that, but that shouldn't be all that we do. We should realize that, man, when you wake up and you feel miserable, you got a pounding headache, you got a sore throat, you can hardly get out of bed, God's still eternal. God's still faithful. And so we can worship him for that. I will worship. I will praise. Now, I want to make three big points. Nothing keeps you connected to God like worshiping and praising God. Listen carefully. The key to enjoying the fullness of your relationship with God is staying connected to God. I told my adult class this morning that one of my big jobs as a pastor is to coach you to stay close to God. If you were to just drop out of church today and not come back until a year from today, there's a good chance that during that time as you drifted from the Lord, you would not find the uh, stimulus or the motivation to move back to him. You would just drift, and then you drift some more, and then you drift some more, and only by the grace of God would you ever come back. But when you're faithful to worshiping the Lord with other believers, with somebody who calls your name to the Lord every day, and somebody who is looking out for your growth and, and looking out for your success spiritually, there's a good chance that in your faithful attendance with your fellow believers in your local church, that you're going to be coached back to closeness with him. And one of the biggest things I do is to strive to coach you closer to the Lord, to be closer to the Lord this week than you were last week, to be closer to the Lord. And when you drift from him, to, to not to scold you, hey, I don't know if you've drifted from the Lord. That's not it. It's not that I'm in your business. It's that my job is to go to the Lord and get the message from him presented to you that the Spirit of God can remind you, get close to the Lord again. You've drifted a little. Get closer. Get closer. Connect with him every day. Connect with him every day. And one of the greatest ways that you can connect with the Lord is through worshiping and praising him. I've told you this before, and I'll keep saying it because it is very effective. If you would plan and prepare first thing every morning, and I recommend you get on your knees. Listen, I don't, I don't wear this prosthetic to, to bed. So when I wake up in the morning, I got one foot. And it's real easy to lay there and think, well, it's so hard to get on my knees. I'll just, I'll just lay here and worship God. And I've done that a number of times. And I can tell you the difference between getting on my knees and not getting on my knees 
is huge. Because there's something about crawling out of bed and getting on my knees where I know I've made a move towards God. Now, we can make all the arguments, you don't have to, you know, I know all that, you don't have to stuff. But there is something about getting on your knees and humbling yourself before the Lord that before you even say a word draws your heart to God. And you've heard me say many times, I urge you, not as a matter of rote obedience, but as a, as a means of drawing nigh to God to get on your knees and spend the first two minutes of your day telling God how awesome he is. God, thank you. Thank you for one more day. Thank you for all that this day, January 8th, 2023, is going to produce for eternity. Thank you for allowing me to bow before you, to be in your presence. You are awesome. God, you are everything, and I am nothing. Lord, you are eternal. My life is but a vapor. God, you are faithful. You are just, but at the same time, you are merciful. Oh, God, you're amazing. Lord, you are the self-existent one. You are in debt to no one. You don't need anyone, but you want us. I don't understand. Lord, you don't need me, but you want me. Oh, God, I praise you for that. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. For thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. O Lord, Thou art my God. Lord, I praise You. God, I love You. O Lord, You've been so good to me. I don't know why you love me, but you've made yourself my father. You've made me your child through Jesus Christ. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Thank you for your Holy Ghost that you have put inside of me. Thank you that right here, right now, Holy Spirit, you live inside of me, that you're going to guide me through this day today, that you're going to show me when I'm getting into a dangerous place. Lord, help me, lead me, guide me. You are so wonderful. And now, Lord, as I open your word, as I visit Calvary, as I go to today's proverb, and then as I spend time in your word, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. 
I love you, Lord. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. I have set the Lord always before me. Now, something close to that is how I start every single day. I do that to show off. I got to tell you, I've sat many times and listened to preachers over the years that I loved and respected and who, who were my spiritual coaches talk about taking time to worship the Lord and tell me how to do it, but I still couldn't picture it. And, and I understand if someone feels like that's too sacred to bring out into a crowd, but I just felt like this morning, I've talked about it many times, but maybe I could give you a little sample of, that's not a sample, that is almost, I mean, it's different every day, but it, it follows the same general pattern. I sing to the Lord. My, my dog, Theo, how old is he? He's six and a half years old. And when he was a puppy, he just didn't get that at all. He'd be sitting there, you know, barking or screeching on the floor. But he knows now. When he wakes up, I get pat on the head a couple of times and then go away. He's going to ignore you. He's going to kneel down and, and uh, he knows. I sing to the Lord. I quote scripture to the Lord. I tell him about, you know, sometimes I'll tell the Lord stories about himself. You're what? What are you talking about? Lord, I read about the time when Elijah was up against those false prophets and he prayed and you turned off the water for three years. And then he prayed again and on Mount Carmel and he called out to you and you stood with him and you rained down fire from heaven and you showed yourself strong in front of all those false prophets. God, I can't believe that I'm kneeling here talking to the same God. You're so awesome. I'll tell God Bible stories. Say, he already knows them. You don't think he likes to hear that somebody on this old earth knows that they're talking to the God who did that? Because I'm telling you, when you brag on God like that, among the, they confirmed this week, I guess, that we have passed the 8 billion mark in human population, or sometime recently, among the 8, oh, no, I heard it this week, it was actually a repeat from back in November, so, uh, but among the 8 billion people on the planet, when you worship God on a daily basis, you put yourself in a very small minority, not a lot of people out of 8 billion are doing that every day. Nothing keeps you connected to God like worshiping and praising God. You see, spend your first two minutes like I just described or I just demonstrated and see if it doesn't change your connection to God the whole rest of the day. Something else, worshiping and praising God daily will change who you are. On Wednesday night in prayer meeting, I, I didn't plan this, but we just sort of got caught up in the idea of becoming like Jesus. I'll say again what I said Wednesday night, that, that God has started in this direction. I fear that I am not ready for Christ's return. 
say, well, pastor, I'll show you from the Bible how to be saved. I can help you with that. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going when the trumpet sounds. But what I fear that I'm not ready for, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. I'm going to look Jesus face to face, and so are you, eye to eye. And all that will be left of me when Christ returns is that part of me that has become like Jesus. And I fear that I'm going to instantly go from six foot five, 250 pounds to a foot and a half and about 15 pounds. I'm not trying to be funny. If all that's going to be left of me when Christ returns is that which has been transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I don't want to wind up being this little guy. That's what I mean when I say I don't know if I'm ready to face Jesus Christ. But worshiping and praising God daily, it will change who you are. A life of worship and praise will help put you on the fast track to becoming like Jesus. Have you ever struggled to figure out why you don't grow, why you don't change? Maybe in assessing yourself this new year versus a year ago, you say, man, I'm still struggling with some of the same things. A life of worship and praise will put you on the fast track to becoming like Jesus. Change doesn't happen because of what you stop doing. Change happens because of the positive things that you add to your daily routine. So I'm trying to quit smoking. Stop trying to quit smoking. What? Instead... Try to start worshiping and praising the Lord, which puts you in the spirit. And let me tell you something. When you're walking in the spirit, you won't light up or whatever it is you're battling. Now, you can, you can step out of the spirit and get into the flesh. And as I said Wednesday night, you will usually do that by something that is not sinful, but it gets you in the flesh. And then once you get in the flesh... That's when you'll light up. And I picked cigarette smoking because it was first thing that came to mind. But if you're trying to figure out why you can't conquer that thing, stop trying to conquer that thing and start adding things. And you can't add anything better than living a life of worship and praise. It will change you. A life of worship and praise will show people around you that God is real. Oh, that's so important. A life of worship and praise will show people around you that God is real. By the way, these things are sort of hinted at in the text. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name, verse 2, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Okay, he's definitely connecting with God there through worship and praise. Verse 3, in the day when I cried, thou answereth me and strengthenest me 
with strength in my soul. Okay, well, there you have growth. A life of worship and praise will make you more like Jesus, which is the essence of growth. Then verse 4, all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of my mouth. Which is that third great statement I gave to you. A life of worship and praise will show people around you that your God is real. Griping will show people around you that your God is not real. Because everybody's griping. Complaining, gossiping, negativity. These things will show the people around you that your God is not real. Because everybody's doing those things. And if you're doing, talking, thinking, acting like everyone else is acting and talking and thinking, then guess what? Your church that you go on to Sunday on Sunday and tell them about on Monday is no different than the casinos and the movies that they go to on Sunday that they tell you about on Monday. Because if it all winds up in the same big negative mess that we're all in, they don't come away saying, wow, what a God he has. What a God she has. No. They come away saying, well, what he's got is no different than what I got. A life of worship and praise will show people around you that your God is real. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. I should have had you turn already, but I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 13. This is an amazing verse, and I urge you to break it down, to meditate on it, to let it affect you. Hebrews chapter 13, and look at verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I love it that that verse tells us specifically what praise is. Our lips giving praise to our... So you can't think praise. It's not praise if you think it. It's not praise till it comes out your mouth, that verse says. But... What I want you to notice, also the, the word continually is awesome, but I want you to notice the phrase, offer the sacrifice of praise. How is praise a sacrifice? <laughs> because it puts you out there. You, you try. When you're going through the, the you go down to ShopRite and go through the, the uh, pay deal and uh, the checkout, and um, I got this is this is a this is a dumb dad joke, but I used it yesterday. It was great. So when Amy's in the store, there's two stages. There's I'm headed to checkout, and then there's I'm coming out. So headed to checkout means I start the truck. I'm coming out means I drive to the front door. Okay. Yesterday, this has never dawned on me before. We've done that a hundred times. Yesterday, I get this tech that said, I'm headed to checkout. And I said, aren't we all? <laughs> and she said, dork. <laughs> anyway, try when you're going through checkout. And you thought you were going to pay 
$8 for something, and they scan it, and you didn't even know it was on sale, and it was $5. You just saved $3. Try, say, try respond to that with a loud, oh, praise the Lord. And you could feel the heads turn. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm saying that's the sacrifice you make. Because immediately in that crowd, and by the way, if it's a store that you go to regularly, I mean, now you're labeled. Here comes the Jesus freak. That's why it's a sacrifice. I don't know about you. I am a laid back person and I like to fly under the radar. But I don't have a right to fly under the radar. And just like passing out a track is a sacrifice because it, it identifies you. Praising the Lord. I'm talking about with your lips. Praise the Lord. God is so good when things happen to you. It's a sacrifice. But if you want the people in your life to know that your God is real, then just decide, I will worship, I will praise. I want to tell you this story, and then we're going to have a song as part of the message here. We'll be all done. 1934, in the middle of the Depression, in Madisonville, Kentucky, a girl named Joyce Luttrell was born. Of course, they're, they're in a, a very poor part of the country at a very difficult time. And so people are having trouble even putting food on the table. But Joyce Luttrell had a tremendous love and talent for music. She had a guitar, and she would listen to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio on Saturday nights, and she learned to play guitar by trying to play along with what she was hearing on the radio. In that part of the country in that time, of course, if you loved music, it was country music that you were going to most likely fall in love with. And she would listen to those, that music, and she loved it. When she was eight years old, she wrote her first song. And she brought it home to her mother. Her mother was a Christian lady. Her, her, her grandfather was a, was a preacher. And she herself attended a Pentecostal church right down the road. But Christ wasn't everything in their lives. If, uh, you can be devoted and still not be super devoted, if that makes sense. And So she brought this song home, and she showed it to her mother. Eight years old, showed it to her mother. I mean, just... Get the feel of that. If she was in church this morning, she'd be downstairs in junior church, eight years old. She showed the song to her mother, and her mother looked at it, and she goes, did you copy that out of a book? She sang it for her. She said, did you hear somebody else sing that? She said, no, Mama. I wrote that. And her mother said, you have a gift, and you're going to spend your life if you employ that gift. It's going to be a hard road but the Lord will be with you, eight years old. By the time she was 10, 10 years old, she was singing country songs on their local radio station. She was that good. When she was 12 years old, and she, by this time, she would regularly go down and put her feet in the water in the creek and just sit there with the guitar and write songs. It was just, it was her lifestyle. And she was 12 years old, and she's, she's, uh, alone and she'd heard all of her life that Jesus is the Savior 
But she realized when she was 12 on that day that I have not made Jesus my Savior. And right then and there, she made Jesus Christ her Savior. She got saved. And the Lord just moved in immediately. And she was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And she said, Lord, I give my life and my talent to you. I will spend my life worshiping and praising you. She went home. She told her mom. Her mom was so excited. My daughter at 12 years old has dedicated her talent to the Lord. Her dad was not saved, and he was a drunk. And he had beat them and abused them. And he thought that maybe the way that they would get out of poverty was through his daughter becoming a country star because she had so much talent. And so right then and there, he said, you either give up this Christian music junk or you move out of this house. Can you imagine telling your 12-year-old daughter, move out of this house? And her devotion to the Lord was so great that she left the house. She took her suitcase and a guitar, and she went from Madisonville, Kentucky, to Indianapolis, Indiana. They had a family connection there that put her up for a couple of days, and then she sang in their church. Word started to spread about this amazing singer-songwriter, 12 years old, and other churches started inviting her. And she would, she would get on a Greyhound bus, 12 years old, 13, 14, 15 years old, with a suitcase and a guitar case, and go from church to church. They'd give her a love offering, and that's what she lived off of. She did that for four years. When she was 16, she sang at a revival meeting, and she met a family, the Rambo family. I know that sounds like, yeah, it, it ain't Stallone. It's, it's their real name, the Rambo family. And they had a teenage boy her age, and he was nicknamed Buck. They started to date. And before long, they were married. A year later, they had a daughter. When that daughter became a teenager, the three of them began to travel as the Rambos. She, her name was Joyce, but people called her Dottie. And she made a name as Dottie Rambo. Get this. She wrote over 2,500 songs. And every song that she wrote, you can just hear her passion for the Lord. Some of her songs, you're not going to believe this. We have a very conservative hymn book with songs from two and three hundred years ago. But a few of Dottie Rambo's songs are in our hymn book. She wrote a song that Sandy Patty made fam famous called We Shall Behold Him. If you've been around uh, church, you've heard songs that she wrote like If That Isn't Love. He left the splendors of heaven knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha there to lay down his life for me. If that isn't love, the ocean is dry. There's no stars in the sky and the sparrow can't fly. If that isn't love, then heaven's a myth. And there's no feeling like this if that isn't love. One of my favorites is a song called The Unseen Hand. There is an unseen hand. And by the way, these songs have had such an impact that not only are they known in churches around the world, but the list of 
secular singers who recorded her songs is unbelievable. The unseen hand. There is an unseen hand to me that leads through ways I cannot see. While going through this world of woe, this hand still leads me as I go. All from the decision of a 12-year-old girl to say, I'm going to put aside a dream of a successful career and I will praise thee. I will worship thee. She wrote a song that many of you know called Sheltered in the Arms of God. Build my mansion next door to Jesus. That one's in our hymn book. So as we shall behold him, I'm trying to think of the third one that she wrote, but uh, one of my favorites, I've never been this homesick. I want to sing them all. They're all awesome. You want to have fun this afternoon? If you like music and you love the Lord, go on YouTube and type in Dottie Rambo. You will get thousands of videos and just awesome. Well, in 1979, Dottie Rambo was now very well known in Christian circles. Very, very big name. She traveled all across America and around the world worshiping and praising Jesus Christ. She had an older brother. Her older brother's name was Eddie. And Eddie had never been saved. In fact, Eddie had lived a very wicked life. Drugs. He'd been in and out of prison repeatedly. And she was burdened for Eddie. And they got the news that Eddie had cancer and he didn't have long to live. So she went to visit him in the hospital where, he, where uh, the hospital was in her hometown there. Every time she came off the road, she'd go straight to the hospital and visit Eddie. And she would tell him, Eddie, you need to get saved. You need Jesus. And he would always say, I want to, but I'm too wicked. He won't have me. He won't have me. She had just recently started writing a song. And the words, a little bit here, if you ever tried to write a poem, you know, you, you write a few words and then you can get stuck sometimes. And she did that. She wrote a few words and then she got stuck. But she's praying for Eddie. God, please save my brother Eddie. Please save my brother Eddie. Eddie had five children by a woman that he wasn't married to. And she, he had told everybody that they were married. And Dottie said, Eddie, why don't you give your children your last name? And marry your girlfriend. And he said, I can't even get out of this bed. And so she said, we'll bring the wedding here to, your, here to your room. And they did. And they had a wedding ceremony right there in his hospital bed. And they got married. And he had only days to live. But when they came to the part of the vows, till death do us part, everybody just started weeping. But still, he had not put his faith in Jesus Christ. And she kept on praying. They went to a, a, she had a concert in Ohio. And as she'd been praying for Eddie for all this time, Lord, please show Eddie that he can be saved. They're riding to Ohio in their tour bus. And the words to the song that she had started just bang. They just poured out and she wrote what would become maybe her best known song. She went to the concert that night. 
They had a wonderful concert inside of a church building. At the end of the concert that night, she said, folks, I got a brother. He's on his deathbed. And he thinks that God won't save him because he's been too wicked. Could we have a prayer meeting right now before we dismiss? And the whole church, bang, on their knees. Prayed for a long time. At 1130, the Spirit of God spoke to Dottie Rambo's heart and said that he's going to be fine. They went back home on schedule. She got back into town. She went straight to the hospital. Eddie was now, could barely talk. And she got down by his bed and she held his hand. She said, Eddie, I got to tell you what happened in Ohio. She started to tell the story and he, with his weak voice, just stopped her. She said, what? He said, Dottie, last night at 1130, I got saved. Jesus saved me. I'm going to heaven. And that's the story behind the song that Amy and Joe are going to come sing for you. The song that probably is Dottie Rambo's best-known song. You know, I have a lot of, uh, of uh, Catholic family members, and I love them, and, and I believe many of them have put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And, uh, but there's very little common ground. You know what I mean? They don't sing the songs we sing. They don't say the things we it's just It's just different, you know what I mean? But I'll never forget, probably 15 years ago, my aunt, Amy and me were together in particular. I don't know where it was, but my aunt said to me, hey, have you ever heard, and she named this song. She said, man, we, someone sang this in church the other day, and it just brought everyone to tears. And I thought, man, that song, I mean, we know it. But I can't believe they sang it in a Catholic church. That's just the, the, the universal appeal that this has to people who love the Lord. And um, I want you to hear it. This, this, remember the story about Eddie as they sing this to you. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that bought my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my fault and so my need I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me how marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. 
I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need.